Hey, uh, this is a extra podcast. A extra podcast is not good grammar. It is an extra podcast uh, that we are recording because Joe and I went to IWA at the weekend. Joe, say hi. Hi, guys. So we uh, figured we'd pop on and have a little bit of a chat, a little bit of a debrief about our... Because it was our first time at IWA. We thought we'd do a little bit of a debrief. Uh, for the For the starting point, though, Joe. Yes. How was it for you, just in general... Three days at IWA go. Oh, wow. Uh, honestly, I loved it. Loved all three days. Uh, it was a little bit manic. Um, as you said, first time there, so didn't really know what to expect. Uh, turned out to be huge. Uh, much bigger than I thought it would be. It was you... in- insanely massive just as an, an environment to be in, right? Yeah, just the just the amount of stuff. And even from the airsoft side that was actually a very small portion of it. It was just huge. Yeah, so the airsoft were in uh airsoft stuff were in three main halls. Mm. Uh but they were surrounded by other things, uh such as real steel firearms, which took up the the predominant uh, space in, in the whole event. It was um, interesting. It was, wasn't it? We'll come back to that. Uh then there was also um hiking and camping and outdoors uh companies all there to kind of like show their wares to potential retailers and to also kind of uh hook bloggers up with, with different media and, and kind of get their input and uh reach for their new new items. Uh that I thought was an interesting thing, but we'll you know, we'll touch on that in a bit. Uh, Joe, did you, out of the three halls that we went to, did you have um, any particular stall that you were really glad that we got to? To be honest, there was quite a few. One of the first ones we saw was ASG. Uh, that was one of the first ones we went to, wasn't it? Because we looked at the Shadow 2. Oh, the Shadow 2. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. And that... What did, what did you think of that? That still sticks in my mind as one of the highlights. Just because, oh, partly because it was the first one. Well, it was partly because it was the first thing we found, but also the Shadow Two. Oh my God, it it uh, was gorgeous. Yeah, I didn't. I I went thinking that I was going to hate the Shadow Two. I I mm. didn't want to like the Shadow Two. Well, you've got the accu, haven't you? So I do. You're you're that. You know, you're you're the pro end now. You're you're too good for us with the uh, normal Shadow. Uh, so. Well, the normal Shadow was fine. <laughs> Uh, but uh, there, were, there were improvements made yeah. by the Accu. Oh, yeah, um, no, I, I agree. What I, what I was surprised about, though, was that uh, the Shadow 2, although the way that it looks and the way that it feels is far superior to the um, kind of Accu, they yeah. have returned to the double action trigger and the ugly, ugly chrome plastic-looking yes. thing uh, that they call the trigger. Yeah, that that trigger. I'm not gonna lie. That was the one thing that always put me off the Shadow One, and I can look past it because normally it's covered up by my finger. Oh god, but it's so ghastly. Like even oh, it knowing is, yeah. that it's under a finger is just <laughs> like, like just oh, it's just horrible. <laughs> Luckily, you can upgrade that. You can change that. But then at the same time, why would you have to? Yeah, or why I should think, you have to? I think if I'm going to get the Shadow Two, which I probably will, mm. uh, I'm I'm gonna bastardize my Accu <laughs> and my Shadow 2, and I'm going to take all Ooh. of the trigger components from the Accu and throw it into the Shadow 2's body, and then I'm going to go a little step further and just spray paint the uh, the Shadow 2's grips. Oh, yeah, you you're they're going to do that, weren't you? They're yeah. blue, and I don't like... I don't... I mean, I get... I just don't like it. I don't I like mean, blue. 
I mean, you say that, you're sitting in front of a blue gun wall at the moment. Hey, look, this blue gun wall is, is LED, right? So, yeah, yeah. And it's bright and vibrant. <laughs> the, the grips on the Shadow 2 are just a little uh, understated. It's yeah, they're a bit be, washed out, aren't they? But it's supposed to be kind of classy. Yeah. The, the problem is, I just don't think it... I think if you're going to go for it, you go for it, right? And you, you <laughs> yeah. go, hey, I'm here. I'm the Shadow 2. I'm um, blue and uh, deal with it. If it was if it was a piece of clothing, you'd put it on a six month old, wouldn't you? That 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 color blue, it's proper baby blue. It's not, oh wow, look at me, I'm so badass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The shape of the Shadow Two is yeah. far superior to um, both the original Shadow and the Accu. Uh, I feel yeah. like that the the under oh. the underslide of uh, and the whole front end of the Shadow Two is much thicker. And much beefier and has a lot more weight to it. It is a much heavier pistol. You don't actually notice it on the on the uh, pictures as much because you, you don't have that side side by side uh, comparison. Um, but I genuinely was impressed by the Shadow Two. The, the the thing that we weren't impressed though as much by was the um, the Hera Arms. Ah, yeah. Well, you weren't. And it and so, let, come on, let's let's just clarify. It did take you being told about it yeah yeah, yeah. somebody did so, suggest there was a, a slight issue and we did uh, find I mean, what it was this is this is mainly because i hadn't you haven't got a chance i haven't had a chance to shoot it right yeah, yeah. so um one of the biggest pieces of feedback for the hair arms at this point has been that it's not ambidextrous the safety is not ambidextrous uh and as a result the fire selector isn't ambidextrous sorry as a result um because the Hera Arms stock is just one, uh, one static piece of, um, I guess, polymer with a cutout, you actually can't get your thumb through far enough to be able to switch the uh, fire selector. Unless you are a member of the left-handed master race, in which case it's not a problem for us, as I found. Yes, we're, we're well aware that if I shoot it left-handed, I would get hot brass in my face. Luckily... <laughs> It doesn't eject brass. That's true. It is uh, electric blowback, though. I yeah, you know that's a, a small little gimmick that they threw into it. Uh, in terms of the way that it shoulders, uh, I was really, I it was really comfortable. I really actually liked the furniture on it. It's just a shame that unlike the real steel version of the Hera Arms, uh, unfortunately ICS have not made it ambidextrous. You, know, you did, you did get to have a feel. Did you get to actually hold the real one, or did you just get to look at it? I went once with um, Dom. I can't remember if Dom's changed his handle on Instagram at this point, uh, but call sign seven, I believe it was. Um, I went once with him, and then I went again after that just to, to have an extra look. And uh, unfortunately, um, yeah, they just haven't copied that that dual-sided selector switch, which yeah. is ridiculous. It is a little bit daft, isn't it? You and especially, especially as what we're what we're often told is, well, the license. You know, we just got to follow the what the license says, and the license said that we, um, yeah, yeah. If the license doesn't say it's ambidextrous, it's not ambidextrous. But actually, the real, the real is. seal is ambidextrous. <laughs> so, and and I'm not being funny, but there isn't really an excuse now to not have an ambidextrous M4. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, like every new. 
M4 platform that I or M4 lookalike, as it were, that I see now, uh, real steel, they're all ambidextrous. Uh, so if you're going to make a new one like the Hera Arms, then you you make it ambidextrous. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing from ICS that I think uh, so that was ASG did the Shadow Two, ASG and ICS did the Hera Arms. Going on to Her- ICS just in general, they got some new valves that that are quite interesting. They were cool. Gas blowback pistols um, have a common issue where you don't know when you've filled the the magazine up um, to its full potential. Uh, you just end up waiting five to ten seconds, and then you hope that it's full up. Well, some of the guys at ICS have come up with a new valve, which actually allows you to um, fill the the magazine up until it starts spraying out. And they showed us then and there kind of the differences in uh, in the weight of the magazine uh, with both of the different valves in. And one was, I think, uh, 5.4. I can't remember what they were um, weighing in. But one was 5.4, and then um, with the new valve, it weighed 7.7. Yeah, when it was full. Yeah, which is which is significantly different, um, which means that you get a lot more liquid gas in and a lot more mm. from that magazine in the in the long run. Which then is they also really had, cool. Then they also idea. had another another valve, right? Can you remember what that one did? The um, release valve. Yes, the release valve. Yeah, yeah. So that was absolutely fantastic because you can take out the core and you can add in additional springs or additional O-rings that will change the length of that valve. So it will eject more or less gas, which is really, really good depending on whether or not you're in a cold environment. And obviously you need a little bit more coming out there. Or if you're in a hot environment and you need a little bit less because the gas will come out at a higher velocity. Or even if that's temperature isn't really an issue, but maybe you've got a heavy slide on there and you need to get a little bit more gas out, you can adjust the valve that way as well. So it gives you a lot of fine tuning. Yeah, really fascinating uh, kind of idea. Uh, I think they've done a really good job there, especially mm. considering, I'm going to say it, Joe, I'm not a fan of ICS pistols. Uh, I have to agree with you. Uh, and I know a lot of people will think otherwise. Yep. Uh, um, yep. But they just, they don't feel great in the hand and it's probably just the way i hold it and uh, maybe for the me, same with for you. me it's the trigger for me like, yeah the, the triggers the, are too they're not there's not enough of a it there's just something yeah there's just something about most of the ics pistols that we tried that just don't really work for me luckily these valves are uh suitable for other kind of glock 1911s and, and kind of um other pistols on the market uh i think then one of the things that i was really excited about at and you probably were as well, was from VFC. Ah, uh, yes, the Samurai Edge. The Samurai Edge. Oh, what a oh, gorgeous my platform. Lord. It's an M4 platform. The aluminium body and the aluminium rails are incredibly lightweight. And... Nice, interesting little tidbit that they named it the Samurai Edge, and they have designed the body and they've designed the entire platform, really, with the idea of a samurai in mind. So it's very lightweight, like a samurai's armor. Um, they've designed it with the new Virgo system built in, which is really cool. Yeah. So it's, it's, the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it is the first VFC gun with the Virgo built in, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but I don't think it's the Virgo, um, the Virgo system is predominantly a gearbox. The yes. Yeah, yeah. Brushless motor, which we yep. talk about is actually the deluxe edition. So I'm yeah, not so sure that that's included. I did. I think they did say that that wasn't in this one, but they might 
you can either upgrade or they might include it as a special one yeah so it's just it's a fantastic platform um would you would you would you use that for a dmr i would love to use that as a dmr um we talked quite a lot over the weekend i'd really like an m4 platform it's something mm-hmm. I don't currently own. I've got my Masada, but it's not tech, not really an M4, even though it's a bit of an M4 alike. Um, I'd like a classic M4 style, something that I can turn into a DMR or turn into a CQB weapon if need be as well. Right, so the Samurai Edge is definitely in the running. One thing that isn't in the running, and Joe, if you go <laughs> for it, I'm going to get angry, <laughs> is the uh, Sekita... Rapax. Oh, gotta call it Rapax. Uh, oh, I don't know what you're on about. I think that's, yeah. that's top of the list. Let's uh, get out. Get out. <laughs> Your phone's in flight mode, so I can't help Oh, you for God's sake! <laughs> did you hear that? Yes, I did. A bloody Google Assistant. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Go back to the uh, the Rapax. Yeah. Anyway, I, I have a love hate relationship with Sector. I've got several of their their guns. I got a couple of pistols, and I got mm. a shotgun. And this is their first AEG platform. It's a DMR. Um, and and it's really interesting for a company to go straight for a DMR as their first AEG. Uh, if that was um, all that there was about this platform, I would I would be like, yeah, good for them. It's an Ares gearbox and Secutor build, uh, but it's priced at just under £500. And we went to have a look at it. And oh my God. It, it just is. wasn't up to oh, scratch, was it? Oh, it's pretty basic. I am not paying £500 for a bog-standard Ares gearbox and some pretty shoddy bodywork. It's not... It, it wasn't lined up properly uh, in terms of the rail and the receiver. That wasn't flush very well. Uh, it, it was a super basic design. The body itself had very uh, limited if any actual engravings i actually think it was etched as opposed to engraved yeah yeah it was and it just felt very standard the only thing that wasn't standard is the magazine yeah the thing for me the one of the big ones that really let it down i didn't mind so much the markings because a lot of people now um spray them they paint them they uh, put tape all over them that 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 isn't a deal breaker for me but the build quality the way the front end didn't match with the receiver that was a massive issue and the fact that they're using exposed they're leaving exposed screws everywhere yeah it just wasn't it wasn't what you'd expect from a but also the pound. quality the quality of the metal did not feel no. high-end it felt no. yeah it felt uh, extreme almost Felt like a Chinese uh, copy <laughs> Ooh, um, from oh, from back a, in the that's... day. Yeah, no, genuinely, I was. Yeah, I know, I, I agree with you. Oh, it's making me angry. I'm just just thinking <laughs> about it. Five hundred pounds they're charging. That's high end. That's like it's... premium. And they've got the they've got the gall to put that out uh, as their first AEG. That is ridiculous. Secutor, you you need to get your act together and bring mm. your prices down because uh, unless this is an import thing. That, that I'm not aware of at this point. But your prices do not match the quality of your products, and they are getting worse as time goes on. You had a lot of hype. You had a lot... Oh, this has become a little rant. Yeah. No, let's move um, on. Let's move on, because I was... I was super excited about other things, so let's go <laughs> on to those. Uh, just before we do, just to make a point that we have gone on about the Rapax, but there is evidence based on the new... Is it the new 1911s? Or the Magna. It- yeah, that 
that again they're reducing the quality. The markings have gone oh, again. Yeah, it's, it's just they're just getting their, very simple. They, yeah, they've what they've done is they came into the market with high end aesthetics yeah. without the performance. Yeah, they've yeah. Uh, they've done their um, research and development through the customer base, but they're still charging premium prices. And now what they've done is they've resorted to gimmicks. So the Magna series is uh, it could be purposely simplistic. But mm. they've they've got a very basic um, kind of body to it, and then they're thrown on an RMR, and yeah, so yeah, the RMR yeah. is a gimmick, right? Absolutely. I'd much prefer the RMR to be on their um, custom series uh, as a which actually this is what they market as their custom series, but it's so basic it shouldn't be a custom series. Moving on, one of the platforms yeah. that you might want to, to consider for your DMR is. Um, an APS. Oh, they they surprised us. An APS okay. Mark Eight. Joe, yeah. talk now, to me about it. Okay, so you're aware that I am not. I ha- I'm not a fan of your APS. I am or, aware of that. I wasn't a fan of the brand. Um, I didn't feel like your it matched up to what I was expecting. Are we However, talking? Right, hang on, hang on, hang on. Just clarify, people that don't know mine. So, what didn't you like about it? So, part one of the things about it. I'm trying to think of your APS now. And I'm okay, so let me give so you a rundown. The, yeah. the it's APS, the Mark V, isn't it? It is yours. the Mark V. So yeah. my APS, uh, the Mark V, I dismantled, I spray-painted some of it red. It, we're ignoring the fact that I've done that. Uh, aesthetically, it's got a um, sound amplifier uh, kind of front end. Yes, it it's does. Got, yeah. uh, it's got some really nice furniture, in my opinion, uh, all the way around. But the, the problem I had with it was internally, it was uh, pretty poor. Um, we we didn't get a good rate of fire even on eleven ones. We didn't get um we didn't get much in terms of the consistency. So uh, I switched it out to a Crytac um, hop, um, and just everything, all the wiring inside was pretty shoddy. So I stripped it all down, replaced it all, and got it to a point where I was happy. Joe, go. Yeah. So one of the things I'm gonna go, I'm gonna skip yours a little bit um, okay. because I did like it. Oh, I didn't like it. Um, but that's in the past. The new Mark Eight is an entirely different beast. Just picking that up, I almost fell in love with it. You shot it, didn't you? You actually shot it in the yeah. in hall, and it was the trigger response looked amazing. Uh, the rate of fire was insane uh, for a off the shelf rifle. It was just, it was really, really good. They've got nice little cutouts now in the magwell. The rifle, I prefer my long guns. I like my long rifles, and the one we were looking at was a 14.5-inch barrel, I believe. Uh, so it was the longer of the ones they do, but they do it in a shorter barrel as well. And it was just stunning. Okay. All right. So Go on. I shot it. It has a good rate of fire. It has a really good trigger response. Uh, it, I would put it up with a premium. Is it the best? No. Is it uh, something that I would run? Yes, absolutely. And that's because uh, they looked at their previous gearboxes, including the Mark V, the one that I had, and they acknowledged that it was pretty um, uh, poor. Poor? Yeah. Yeah, so they've spent uh, a couple of years redesigning their gearboxes, and they've now included a micro-switch. They've got uh, a new gearbox. Um, The Mark VIII is the first platform to have that new gearbox, and they will be selling the gearbox uh, as a separate, and it's called the Silver Edge. Uh, the Silver Edge has this micro switch, which gives you a really good trigger uh, trigger response and rate of fire. It's similar to an Evo, right? It's the best mm. thing I yeah, can yeah. I can kind of 
um, go with. But it's got a, it's got the same features as an Evo as well. So it has a full cycle. It's got active braking. It's got a, a, a MOSFET. Yeah, I was um, going to say the I've got the list of the upgrades they've done on here. Um, so they've gone for a full steel gear set, which is pretty much standard now, but it's really nice to see. Uh, reinforced the gearbox. They've installed a quick change spring system. Your did your Mark Five yeah, not yeah, have a quick got, change spring yeah. system? Yeah, my my Mark Five does. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say that was I, I was going to be surprised if it didn't. Um, a CNC machine nozzle, which again is fairly standard now, but it's very nice to see. The full steel teeth piston, which isn't full, completely common now. We don't no, see that on that's, everything. That's something that I had to upgrade on my Mark and, Five, and that's really cool. It's really nice to see that. Um, they've obviously got the micro switch trigger, and yeah, the ECU is built in as well, which is really really nice. A lot of manufacturers are doing this now. We are seeing them actually taking the extra step to install the ECU yep. because one of the first upgrades that everyone does is put a MOSFET in their rifle. Yeah, a programmable MOSFET is, yeah. is kind of the, the first thing. People want that op- option exactly. to be able to start doing uh, selective fire. All right, so, so I'm going to move us quickly on because this excellent. is a short, short one. Yeah, we're we'll um, going to keep it quite sweet. I think this next company won, uh, won it for me. And that is G&G. G&G uh, came out with, um, at SHOT Show, they came out with a couple of new things. Uh, there were a couple of more new things that I didn't know were coming out. So they've come out with uh, a whole bunch of, uh, of new pistols. And that is the GTP9 series. There was a whole wall of, of those. Mm. Uh, included in that is an SMC9, which is a little carbine kit for the GTP9. And I had a little shoot. I love it. I'm, I've got to get one George, at some point. George, I'm sorry. I, I think I'm going to need a minute to myself. I've got the SMC9 pictures up. Oh, I thought you do. I thought you were going to stop it. I've got the SMC9, no. and I was going to go. <laughs> I was going to go mad. I was like, what? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've got the pictures up. Uh, I'm going to need a minute. This. Oh, is, it's, it's well. Oh, for, those, for those that are listening, it's uh, GTP9 within a really slimline um, carbine kit body. It's got a charging handle on um, ambidextrous charging handle. It's also got ambidextrous um, bolt covers, so when you do charge it, it'll open one or, one or the other. Uh, it shoots really nicely. It's really quite consistent. I had a little go on the GNG range. Super uh, jealous. Ah, uh, it was it was lovely. Uh, but alongside the SMC9, one of the other things that I did not know that they were doing with their own series of gas blowback rifles. I, I don't know. I haven't got a word to describe how excited I am about this. If they can do this right, and admittedly we haven't shot them, but they do feel nice. They've got quite a light bolt, so there's yep. not a lot of recoil. But the uh, reason... So I spoke to I spoke to yeah, Rick yeah. from G&G, and the reason they're yes. doing that is because along the same lines as all of their um, gas blowback pistols, what they're focusing on is the idea that actually people want full metal quality and they want that that really um, uh, weighty feel, but they also want to be able to use it in colder weather. So they are focusing less on the, the heavy recoil and more on the gas efficiency side of stuff, which is an interesting way of going about it because I didn't particularly like it with the GPM9. Um, mm. And so it, it might have the same issue as that but G&G do have uh, the reputation for being an affordable entry into the market, a reliable and affordable entry into the market. And so for a gas blowback rifle to come from G&G, I think that might be the most accessible for a lot of people into gas blowback rifles, and that's really exciting. Oh, absolutely. And some of the other bits they've added in there, they've got the uh, modular trigger unit yep. in, the, in the gas blowback, and it's a modular bolt system. So we will see, I hope, 
different v- styles of bolt coming out, so we might see a heavier weight. Yeah, uh, well, quite will... possibly, quite possibly. I, uh, I, I did pose that question, and yeah. Uh, it, yeah, they're thinking about a heavier spring, but the bolt yeah. itself is already... I'm, I'm guessing aluminium, but it's definitely a metal. But metal. it does also give the option for aftermarket manufacturers to do it the does. same thing. It so does. So there is that upgradability, which is really quite cool. And, uh, yeah, I was super excited with these. Again, looking at an M4 platform, a G&G glass, gas blowback. Can't go wrong. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd get one of those as well. So G&G did a really good job. Uh, someone else who did a really good job were, um, in my opinion, Red Wolf. Red Wolf, yeah. Uh, you, I think you fell in love, actually, this weekend, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I did. It's uh, effectively, there are a couple of new pistols. One of them is a very limited run. There's only 100. Uh, one of them is uh, going to be a new standard, uh, which are the Agent series of Nighthawk pistols. Um, they are gorgeous. They are very subtly seracoated. Uh, they are full metal um, TM MEU based platforms, which means that you've got your single stack style magazine, but it's actually double stack. Uh, I think for me, that was the probably the most gorgeous pistol. Both of them were the most gorgeous pistols in the whole of IWA. I think we have some pictures, actually, um, that, you, George, you'll have to use at some point of you holding them, and I'm pretty sure you can see the love in your eyes. I, the love was in my eyes. It was in my my body. It was elsewhere. I yeah, yeah. Too yeah, much detail. Yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, very, very excited uh, about those two things. I'm going to try and get my hands on some. So in terms of Airsoft, that's kind of yeah. uh, those are all the, the, the heavy hitters from my, from my perspective for me. Mm. Um I feel like the event itself was an interesting experience. Uh, we kind of had a look around, and, and for the first two days, it was interesting because we weren't there for any particular reason. It did seem to take some of the retailers by surprise that we didn't want anything. Yeah, yeah, we weren't trying to sell ourselves. Mm. Uh, we weren't trying to... Obviously, we weren't there to buy anything. And and what that creates uh, at a trade show like that is an uh, almost an awkwardness. Right, yeah. this idea that actually, okay, everyone's there. We were there specifically for products and 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 to kind of look at new products. But then also, we were really interested in uh, different companies' um, perspectives on media, right, on the industry, and talking about where the industry is going. And there was an actual there was an actual panel based on that. But I think mm-hmm. we are more interested in having that one-on-one conversation instead of this this overall so we tried to do that and it was a little awkward for the first few days would you agree yeah but then like we like we've we've already spoken about this uh with a couple of people but with the sunday all the pressure seemed to be off so people were much happier to talk all the retailers have done their deals they've yeah. uh, sold their things they've spoken to as many people as possible it was it was very different it was just so much more chill. Uh, I think the learning from this from for, for us mm. is that without the need to buy or sell, right, and that includes selling yourself as a marketing tool. Absolutely. Um, without those two things, it's just a social, right? Because yeah. the majority of the event and the majority of things that people talk about when they go to the event are the after um, event activities, you know, going to a certain <laughs> place, meeting up with loads of people, getting absolutely hammered, spending an hour outside waiting for food. I'm there, there a new meal, that. sim. 
There is that. Meal Sim, though, it's not their fault. It was, they did it. No, no. Yeah, that came across wrong. Yeah, it, uh, it was not at all the fault of the organisers of Meal Sim, for those of you who've heard yeah, of it. I think it was Thomas. Um, uh, Thomas yeah. was absolutely insane. He worked so hard to get everyone sorted for that. Um, unfortunately, there was, seemed to be a bit of confusion uh, on the venues part. I think that was more... And, and actually, I will, I will, I will come and chime are you, in. Are you calling people out on this? No, 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 no. That's all right. Uh, Good. I think uh, we also walked off, right? Oh, uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, we were outside for a while. It was getting a bit chilly. And then uh, we, we met up with a couple of guys from um, the Airsoft Monkeys from Combat UK. They walked past and we were like, hey, we're going to join you. And we went went to and had a pizza hut. And we were the most British people th- this weekend. One of the other things that I found really um, interesting and, and I might get some flack for it. Okay. Uh, I found it really sinister. Uh, no, I, I would agree with you there. I think the only flack you might get is from people who haven't been yet. Yeah, no, I... I'm, no, I think I think, uh, I think think most people that go probably feel differently. Oh, uh, maybe. Because maybe. I, I feel that... So this is a trade show for mm. firearms, right? That is the first and foremost um, thing about it. Which means that people are there to buy, in bulk, new firearms, right? The problem I had with that is that it was, it was. I love the airsoft side, right? And mm. I love. I'm one of the people that loves airsoft because it's not going to kill anyone. And there were these just very. Oh God, I don't want to. No, I don't want to describe them too much. No. I just felt it was quite seedy seeing so many people in suits, purely there to buy large quantities of firearms. The the thing that I sort of thought about after the event. Um, have you seen the film Lord of War? Uh, yeah, with Nicolas Cage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a real life Lord of War. Yeah, it's it's and almost it's almost like people were there getting getting hard ons over yeah uh, <laughs> over yeah. like the and the cocking sound of bolts hitting metal. Exactly, and you you watch that film and you think, nah, that's all that's dramatized. But then we're walking around that event and no, it's actually happening. That yeah. is the attitude that people have. Yeah. So and yeah, it, yeah. A little bit sinister. A little bit sinister. And and like once you get over that, uh, or rather, once you choose to kind of stick to the airsoft side of stuff, then then it's not so bad. I have oh, having said that, one of the um there was there was a bit of contra- uh, controversy there with um with airsoft meets real steel, and that was in um, the form of Viper. Right? Oh oh yes, we now have to I'm, talk about them. I'm loving what Viper are doing. Uh, however, there are several people and fans and companies who aren't happy with what Viper are doing because of their their I guess production model. Yeah. It's effectively they see some products on the market and they look at the functionality and they get and look at the price point and they go, hmm, let's make the same functionality out of different materials at a lower price point for people who want that functionality but aren't so fussed about spending i don't know 200 and something quid on a plate carrier functionality and affordability are the things that i care about the most and so if you can combine those two great uh then let's do that uh more controversy joe oh dear go on give me some more controversy what you got things were stolen over the weekend they were day one day one well friday so yeah day one ics pistol gone magazines were nicked throughout the weekend gone and we found that this out after the event. Uh, someone stole an entire ghillie suit. 
from a from a locked location. Why would you do that? Like that is it's a trade show. It's supposed to be for individuals who are there in a professional capacity. Mm. It's not supposed to be for you know Joe Blogs to walk in off the street and then get um, get their jollies and nick a few things. It, so the fact that somebody's taken that means that somebody is there um, with that intention. In a professional manner, with that mm. intention in mind, I think I, it shocked me a little bit day one. Um, looking at G and G, how all of their pistols were locked to the wall; you could not pick them up. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, but after then hearing what happened, I'm like, actually, that's a really smart move. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think so. And, and actually, it requires you to to kind of speak to speak to someone about that product. And yeah, you know, there is there is an element of um, sense there yeah yeah it and, and it's marketing isn't it you will then speak to someone they can try and sell it to you i'll tell you what though mm. g had far more protection than most of the real guns around that place yes they did yeah they really did all right so next year uh yeah next year's going to be very different for us i think uh this this year in my mind and please mm-hmm. do chip in if if you mm-hmm. think otherwise this year for us is about um Maintaining consistency, regularity, and building on what we we want to do, and having fun as we do it. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. We went this year with the pure intention of understanding the event. I feel like we've done that. Yeah, I, I I'd say so. We we now we know what to expect next year. And I feel like next year will be very different for Jiraga Airsoft because mm. we'll be looking to expand on what we do at that point, but we'll be so much further ahead than we are currently. Yeah, I feel like next year we will go with a different intention. That I think pretty much wraps up IWA uh, in in the shortest. We didn't. I didn't want us to go for too long on this. This is no. gonna hopefully be about around half an hour. We've covered yeah. a couple of products. We've covered a couple of issues that that were there. We've covered kind of what it felt like to be there. And there is there's one more item I'd like to give a special mention to, if that's all right. I will uh, allow. You'll allow it. Nice one. And that is the. Classic Army, double-barreled M4. <laughs> oh, all that oh, build-up. All that, that build-up. Hey, 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 that thing. It. I was not expecting big things from it. I'm gonna. Right. I was expecting to hate it. I was. It's got two it barrels. What are yes, you expecting? Two, I was expecting it to feel huge, and it didn't. It felt really, really nice. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but it's a, it's a double-barreled M4. Yeah. Like, so? <laughs> it, it, it felt really nice. I'm not going to lie. I I didn't think I was going to like it. I don't think I'll buy one. Um, I know someone who is. But I will definitely be borrowing it from that person. Is that um, Steve? That is Steve. So, Steve, if you listen to this, make sure you give me a game day with my name on it for that one. Right. Well, uh, I'll leave you guys to kind of deal with the Classic Army <laughs> double-barreled M4. <laughs> Uh, I now have to spend a couple of days just emailing uh, people that we met there just to uh, touch base and kind of mm. make sure that they're aware of what we're up to. Um, I think next year will be a lot more of that. Uh, I've had a lot of good feedback from people uh, who Same. went to the event, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of what happens in the general airsoft community over the next year. Uh, for now, though, I think we'll call it a break there. Call it a break? Call it call a day? It a break. Call it a day, yes. We'll call it a yeah. day. But if you want to hear more from us, we are also releasing another podcast 
uh, based on photography and airsoft. So do make sure you go and give that a listen. Uh, that is episode four. Joe, do you want to say it? Oh, I suppose. Until then, guys, we'll see you in the safe zone.